Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Right now I'm talking about what I learned yesterday in that game against the Dallas Cowboys. And look, like I said earlier, it's pretty difficult from my vantage point to really get a gauge on games like yesterday. Because guess what? Washington playing for nothing, essentially, except for pride because these are grown-ass men and they're in the NFL and they want to put on tape for the rest of the programs across the National Football League. But outside of that, Washington really with nothing to play for. Dallas, on the other hand, uh, was trying to fight for the number one seed in the NFC, and they were still in contention for the NFC East crown. But as you saw, the Dallas Cowboys came out flat, lethargic, and really like they just didn't want to be there. That's a couple of the teams across the National Football League. I said it last week here on Overtime when I was doing my Super Six Pack. There are certain teams, I like to call these the big boys of the NFL, right? There are certain teams across the league where the last month of the season, or the last couple of weeks of the season, they just get bored. They just get bored. They don't have much to play for. They understand that all of the game action now was in preparation for the playoffs. Like I mentioned, the playoffs start on Saturday. Everyone's 0-0 zero and zero at that point. Dallas, Dallas seems like they're coasting and are in full-blown playoff mode. But that doesn't mean there weren't some severe takeaways from yesterday's performance uh, against Dallas. I think this Washington front office, as much criticism and flack as we give them, after yesterday, when you got to see a bunch of young guys on display, I think this Washington commander's front office deserves a ton of credit for their ability to find under-the-radar talent. Guys like a John Ridgeway, an F.A. Obata, Chris Paul, Armani Rogers, Percy Butler. I mean, the list goes on and on. Their young guys yesterday played at a level that makes you go, okay, I see why this this front office has been able to stay intact here. I understand why they feel like there's optimism surrounding this football team moving forward. They have young building blocks at pretty much every position. The key this offseason, though, and really for every offseason, and it's a telltale sign of whether or not you're a good franchise or not, is how you continue to develop these young guys, right? It's one thing to pick them, then they come in and they exceed your expectations, but can they continue to grow and develop? That, that is what Washington is going to be taxed with this offseason. And I want to take an in-depth look at a couple of specific guys, uh, talking about these under-the-radar signings that Washington had. I'm going to start with the free agent that Washington signed this year, F.A. Obata. When Washington signed F.A. Obata this summer, I mean, there were all types of jokes being made. People were talking about, oh, it's another Kamantha signing. Ron Rivera continuing to stick with familiarity over talent. F.A. Obata, though, man, finishes the year with four sacks. I was surprised personally when I saw that number because we saw it last week against Cleveland. If Deshaun Watson wasn't damn Houdini, F.A. Obata has two or three sacks last weekend. His ability to rush from the interior as your three technique and then from the outside at your defensive end spot. I mean, he is 
position flex in a nutshell. I mean, he is everything you want uh, in a defensive lineman. And I think Washington is going to have some tough decisions to make this offseason, not just regarding F.A. Obata, but other unrestricted free agents as well. Obata's going to get paid, man. He showed legit pass rushing juice. I'm not talking about him getting paid like a starter, but he's going to be paid like one of the premier rotational edge guys in the league. And quite frankly, that's what he is. That's what he is. There's a reason Washington wasn't in a rush to bring back Chase Young because of guys like F.A. Obata and Casey Tuhill. F.A. Obata, though, I want to continue to talk about him in more detail. Guy that comes from the Pathways program. He's from the U.K. I just didn't have any expectations for the kid. And I remember uh, during the offseason, it was OTAs and minicamp. Logan Paulson, our friend that will join the show at about 8.15 if the phones are working with us, Logan just kept raving about this young man. He just, I kept asking Logan, who's standing out right now in OTAs and minicamp? And F.A. Obata's name continued to come up whenever I'd have conversations with Logan. And you got to see it for 18 weeks here. I mean, the kid is real. Didn't miss a, a game. He's healthy. And he's continuing to learn and grow, man. His pass rush juice uh, is huge, man. And I think moving forward, if I'm Washington, I got to take a nice, hard, long look at whether or not F.A. Obata is going to be a part of this defense moving forward. I mentioned some other under-the-radar guys. John Ridgeway is one of the dudes I'm supremely impressed with. They signed him off the Dallas Cowboys practice squad uh, earlier in the year. He was a fifth-round pick, I believe, uh, was John Ridgeway. And I don't know if he took it personal yesterday because he's going against his former team, but, man, John Ridgeway playing like a man amongst boys yesterday led all players in tackles in the first half. And guess what? John Ridgeway only played the first quarter. So clearly you're seeing the depth that Washington's been able to acquire along that defensive front. John Ridgeway yesterday finishes fourth on the team in tackles. He only played the first half or the first quarter. Uh, we had a report come out earlier from our friend John Kime at ESPN uh, saying that John Ridgeway suffered a torn pectoral muscle. Uh, so he's going to have to do some rehab in this offseason, but I fully expect uh, Washington to have him in their long-term plans uh, at the defensive tackle spot. Uh, and, and defensive tackle, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in detail as the show rolls on. With Deron Payne expected to get the bag this summer, when you got a Ridgeway and an Obata and a Phil Mathis coming back, it makes the need to re-sign Deron Payne to big money a little bit less. You've got depth, guys. It's about banking on your evaluations and banking the guys are going to continue to grow and develop in your scheme. When we talk about young guys getting an opportunity yesterday and young guys you know, making the most of their opportunities and what I learned, Chris Paul, man. This Chris Paul kid, he gets to start at the left guard spot in place of Andrew Norwell, uh, who was out with an injury. And Chris Paul, seventh-round pick of this football team this year, flat out bald. And let me tell you how I know he bald. Because for those of you out there who consider yourself armchair GMs but don't watch what the hell is going on in the trenches, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, I'm here to help you. I was watching live during Burgundy and Gold Game Day live on the Team 980. I'm watching, I'm watching Chris Paul and him work at the left guard spot. And it's not like he's going up against the Magruder Colonels. You know what I'm saying? My high school alma mater or the Bethany College Bison, my college team. This is the Dallas Cowboys who have elite interior pass rushers. Dorrance Armstrong, Neville Gallimore, Carlos Watkins, Azikizua, 
Demarcus Lawrence. It didn't matter who they lined up in front of Chris Paul. He just worked. And the beautiful thing about it and how I know he played so damn well, how many times did you hear his name called yesterday? Did you have any penalties on Chris Paul yesterday? In his first career start, going up against the Dallas Cowboys in that interior defensive front, for you to play a damn near mistake-free football game says a lot about the future of this young man and how important he's going to be to this offensive line moving forward. And it's crazy because all year we really have been clamoring to see Chris Paul. Because let's be honest, the first month and a half of the season, the two free agents that they brought in at the guard spot, Andrew Norwell and Trey Turner, bleh, terrible, horrible, not good enough. And we kept wondering, well, damn, they drafted Chris Paul. When does he get his opportunity? When are they going to turn it over to the young pups? Fortunately for him, he got to learn, get stronger, and continue to grow in this offensive scheme. And then in week 18, no pressure, but still going up against an elite group and a formidable opponent. He passed his test with flying colors, man. And I'm not going to say I'm surprised by that, because look, in training camp is where he really you know, jumped off the page of me. I'm like, who is this Chris Paul cat? Who is 75 continually locking dudes up? And it's crazy because when I, I'll describe Chris Paul like this. He's more of a gentle giant. Walks around on his tippy toes. Doesn't try to knock anything over. He's like a bull in the china shop, so to speak, right? This big, burly, massive individual. But it's like one of the sweetest souls you'll ever find, man. Anybody you talk to in that building will rave about the character of this young man. Anybody you talk to in that building will rave about how kind-hearted this young man is. And even the folks at the Senior Bowl talked about how good of a character guy he was. I played at the University of Tulsa. They draft him uh, as a sixth-round pick, I believe. And he definitely, it's only one start. Only one start to take him with a grain of salt. Yesterday, though, based on his performance, 100% outplaying where he was drafted at. We'll continue our discussion on the Washington Commanders as the show rolls on. At 8.15, Logan Paulson, former Commanders tight end and co-host of Odyssey's Take Command podcast, set to join the show. We'll get an in-depth breakdown of how rookie fifth-round pick Sam Howell played yesterday. Plus, we'll ask Logan about what he thinks this team should do in the offseason. All that is coming up. When we come back, though, we'll continue this discussion. What did you learn yesterday in Washington's 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys? I'll tell you more what I think next. This is the fan. All the young pups for Washington yesterday uh, really coming out to play and showing, you know, why they deserve to be on this roster moving forward. I said it earlier, and I'll say it again, man. It's hard to really get a true gauge and to measure the performance of guys in a game like this because, look, Washington has really nothing to play for but pride. Dallas doesn't have any pride, clearly, based on their effort yesterday. But they've already punched their ticket to the postseason. They're going big game hunting. They're going dancing. So like I said, some teams in the NFL, this last two, three weeks of the season, if you've already got the playoffs clinched and all you're worrying about is seeding, sometimes those teams tend to check out and get ready for the postseason. Some would argue you saw that last night with the Dallas Cowboys, but for me, man, I think it's more about what Washington uh, was able to do. Some things that I learned, though, in that game against Dallas – Outside a quarterback, Deron Payne is going to be the most difficult decision that must be made this offseason for this group. And yes, yes, Deron Payne having a career year. 
11 and a half sacks, tying you know the franchise record for an interior defensive lineman in sacks. It's been phenomenal. He has made play after play after play. But the thing about Deron Payne is he's going to cost a hell of a lot of money. He is. He has turned himself into one of the premier defensive tackles in the National Football League. And if you're Washington, you love that. You love that. This is what you draft guys in the first round for. You draft them with the hopes of them developing, you know, into a Deron Payne, into a John Allen. But with Washington, with Washington, the decision that they're going to have to make with Payne isn't as clear cut, excuse me, isn't as clear cut as you probably thought it was. Washington here in the past five, six weeks has found depth on the interior of this defensive line. I mentioned a couple of the other names. John Ridgeway, F.A. Obata, Daniel Wise. You got Fildarian Mathis coming back next year, your second-round pick from this year. They've got dudes on the interior. The question for Washington is going to be, what do you want to pay Deron Payne? Do you think it makes sense to break the bank for Deron Payne? Now, Washington just signed Jonathan Allen to a big-time deal uh, the two off-seasons ago. He's set to make $18 million next year. That's fourth in the NFL amongst all interior defensive linemen. You got to imagine, if I'm Deron Payne, when I go to the negotiating table, you got to start at $18 million, right? I mean, it's gonna, Washington's going to have to make a tough decision here. Because for me, it doesn't really make sense to pay an interior defensive lineman tandem that type of money. It's really unprecedented for teams across the league to do stuff like that. There's only a couple of other situations where you see two defensive tackles on a team making that type of money. In our division, with Philadelphia, Fletcher Cox, next year is set to make $14 million. And then Javon Hargrave, who's going to be a free agent, is expected to command somewhere between $15 and $19 million annually. He's not coming back. He's not coming back to the Philadelphia Eagles for that reason. So I know Washington fans out there are in love with Deron Payne and love the big-time plays that he's made this year. The best route to go with Deron Payne is going to be to tag and trade him. You hear that, fans? Tag and trade. TNT. That's it. And here's why. You've learned, or hopefully they've learned, from their prior mistakes. You let Trent Williams walk out of here with zero draft compensation. You let Preston Smith walk out of here with zero draft compensation. You let Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson, Kirk Cousins, the list goes on and on. Washington has an issue with not getting assets in return for their key guys. I just listed you off a few here. If you're Washington, the hope is that you've learned from those mistakes. Because guess what? You let Deron Payne walk for free? It'll be one of the biggest blunders this franchise has ever made. One of the biggest blunders that this team's ever made. And guess what? There's hella competition for the biggest blunder made in franchise history. But with Payne, his value right now is sky high. It is. When you're coming off an 11 and a half sack season, when you've got 10 plus tackles for loss, 
when you were a game wrecker the way Deron Payne was, you're going to get guys in free agency, teams in free agency, trying to throw the bag at this guy. If you're Washington, you got to really be disciplined is the word I'll use. You got to have a number that you think he's worth, and you can't move off of that number. That's how good teams across this league negotiate. They put a value on a guy, and if they feel like what he's asking for is too much, they don't go back and forth. They do what real businessmen do. They negotiate, and they get something done. And in this situation, if you're Washington, the way it's moving and the way it's shaking, you're going to have to trade him. Because guess what? It would make no sense for this Washington commander's front office to pay two interior defensive linemen as top five guys in the sport. That is what I like to call organizational malpractice. Makes no sense. Especially considering that this offseason, you've got to decide whether or not you're going to pick up Chase Young's fifth-year option. you got to figure out you got to figure out whether or not Montez Sweat is going to be a part of your future pants. Plans. We can't pay them all, right? That's the one thing we do know. The checkbook ain't big enough to pay them all. You got to decide here, if you're Washington, how are you going to build this thing moving forward? Because if you do keep Deron paying around, he's one of your franchise building blocks, so to speak. I mean, he is one of those blue chip prospects. He is a championship caliber player for you. A culture setter. Someone who's a leader in this locker room. Guys respect him. So if you're Washington, the decision that you've got to make on pain outside of quarterback, it's probably the most difficult decision they're going to have to make all offseason. Now, the beautiful thing about it is the quarterback decision, I think, will directly tie in to what they do with Deron Payne. Let's play a little game here for a second. If there is a scenario, if you're Washington, where you bring in, you bring back Sam Howell next year and you enter the season with him as your quarterback one, guess what? Your cap allocation is beautiful. Think about all the contenders right now in the National Football League. We'll pull it up here. All the teams that are in the postseason, a lot of them have these young quarterbacks on rookie deals. That is the cheat code. That is the sauce, so to speak, as to how to build a contender. That's what you've got to do with today's NFL. Let's look at the teams that are in the postseason. The New York Giants have a quarterback on a rookie deal. The the Miami Dolphins have a quarterback on a rookie deal. The Baltimore Ravens have a quarterback on a rookie deal. The L.A. Chargers have a team, have a quarterback on a rookie deal. This is what you've got to do in order to fill out the rest of your roster properly. It might sound crazy. Bear with me here. Washington, if they stay young at the quarterback position, if they don't allocate a whole bunch of resources into quarterback, financial resources that is, based on the way the rest of this roster looks and the money that they're going to have to spend, you don't think you don't think this football team is entering their championship window? Yeah, I said it. The Washington Commanders, if, if they can be financially responsible at the quarterback position, they're entering a championship window. You get to re-sign a Deron Payne. 
Cameron Curl's going to be up for new money real soon. They've got decisions to make across this roster. And I think the contract and the future of Deron Payne is going to have a hell of a lot to do with the decisions that they ultimately make. So like I said, outside of quarterback, Deron Payne by far the most difficult decision that must be made by this football team this offseason. Something else that I learned, though, in Washington's 26-6 win against the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm sorry to be negative here, the commander's got to move Sam Cosby to guard full-time. Yesterday, Sam Cosby out there at right tackle on an island going up against Micah Parsons, arguably the league's best edge rusher, got beat like a drum, got beat like he stole something. It was embarrassing. It really was. His game plan, so to speak, for Micah Parsons and how he was going to combat his pass rush was not good. It just wasn't. Now, it's been an up-and-down second year for Sam Cosme. Once again, he's battled injuries. They're flip-flopping him in between guard and tackle constantly. They got to figure out what the hell Sam Cosme is because guess what? If not, he looks like a bust as a second-round pick, does he not? While When he's healthy and on the field, pretty good player. They've got to lock down the position that he's going to play at. And for me, moving forward, I think guard is where he's best suited. Yesterday really put the icing on the cake for me when it comes to that discussion as to whether or not Cosby should be playing guard or tackle. Micah Parsons yesterday, and I know it's Micah Parsons. I know he's damn good at his position. But to get beat as quickly as he was getting beat yesterday, holy cannoli. I played offensive line in high school. It's no fun when you're getting your ass whipped like that. It's demoralizing, hurts your confidence. I'm wondering what's going through his head down in and down out. He must be ticked every time you line up and you see 11s across from him. He's like, damn it, again? Again? So if I'm Sam Cosby, if I'm the Washington Commanders, I'm moving him inside the guard. And I think his future, even though they drafted him as a tackle, is better at the guard spot. He's played damn good football this year at guard. When Washington was having... Super success running the football. Sam Cosby's at the guard spot. Playing with three damn fingers. Moving people. You may have your guards for the next five, six years on your roster right now. Chris Paul at left guard. Sam Cosby at right guard. If you're Washington, you got to make that decision. And you got to make that choice. Because tackle, in this day and age, your left and your right tackle, uber important to the success of your offense. We've seen how much our Washington tackles have struggled here this year. Charles Leno, veteran, stalwart in the community, a hero, not the best left tackle in the world. Cornelius Lucas, great run blocker, stinks in pass protection. Washington is definitely going to be targeting the tackle spot early in this offseason, whether it's via free agency or whether it's in the draft. They must address that position. And I think the first move that they should make is moving Sam Cosme over to the guard spot. I want to take your calls on this. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. MGM National Harbor Listener Lines wide open. You can tweet at me as well, at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. Our man Ross Rudder on Twitter says, would you trade Deron Payne in picks to move up if you can't sign him? Ross, it's a tremendous question, and we were just talking about that. When it comes to Deron Payne and what Washington ultimately is going to end up doing, I think you do try to work out a deal at first. But like I said, they must be disciplined in their negotiation. They cannot let other teams drive the price up on Deron Payne. 
They've got to have a number that they're willing to stick to, and that's it. And if you can't agree to that number, the beautiful thing about the CBA and the rules that are in place, that franchise tag or that transition tag, excuse me, that you can slap on Deron Payne and then start fielding calls for him, you're going to get a first-round pick plus for Deron Payne. He's playing that damn good. That's the beautiful thing about it. It's a good problem to have because either way, Washington's winners. You're either going to sign this bona fide stud to a long-term deal and he's going to be a part of your franchise and a building block moving forward, or you say, thank you, Deron. You give him a cute little card on the way out and you flip his ass for picks. There is a serious pathway for Washington to acquire a first-round pick plus in exchange for Deron Payne. So that that's an interesting topic of conversation moving forward here. It's going to be an interesting offseason for the Washington Commanders. Like I said, though, I want to take your calls. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well, at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. Although it was meaningless, some folks would say it was meaningless, what did you learn yesterday in Washington's 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys? We'll take your calls next. Right now, though, I want to hit the phones. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well, at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. Going through a couple of things I learned yesterday in Washington's Week 18 win over the Dallas Cowboys. We talked about Sam Howell and how he's got the goods. He really deserves a look as this team's QB1 next year. Obviously, they'll if they're responsible, they'll go out and they'll vet and they'll they'll... they'll scurry the market, so to speak, and scout the market. But what you saw from what you got in-house, the only quarterback under contract next for you is Sam Howell. Next year is Sam Howell, and he looked damn good. So I think Sam Howell and the way he played yesterday, he definitely deserves an extended look uh, in the ability to compete for that QB1 spot. I said this front office of Washington deserves a ton of credit uh, for their ability to find under-the-radar talent. John Ridgeway, F.A. Obata, Chris Paul, Percy Butler. The young guys yesterday and the the undrafted and mid to late round picks really stood out yesterday, and I think that's a testament to this commander's front office and how diligent they are in their work in the offseason when they're out on the road scouting these guys. It was on full display yesterday. All of the young guys that played uh, made plays, uh, so that was definitely encouraging to see. Before we hit the break, though, I talked about Deron Payne and how his the decision they have to make with him is the most important decision this offseason outside of QB1, right? He is going to command probably $18 million annually. Next year for 2023, that is John Allen, his college teammate. Uh, His cap hit is $18 million. That's fourth most in the National Football League. If I'm Deron Payne and I'm Deron Payne's agent, that's where our damn negotiations start is at $18 million per. Because there's an argument to be made that, hell, Deron Payne's better than John Allen. If I'm Deron Payne and I'm going to the negotiating table, that's what I'm saying. Pay me. He's going to deserve his cheese. But I say Washington has a difficult decision to make, and here's why. It's a good decision. First of all, let me preface it by saying that. Based on the depth guys that you've been able to acquire, Phil Mathis coming back from injury next year, second-round pick, John Ridgeway, a guy that you found off the Cowboys practice squad, F.A. Obata, someone who's giving you good reps at the three-tech and at the outside edge rusher spot. They've got depth there. And not to mention they can go out and sign someone much cheaper 
than Deron Payne. So the key for me, tag and trade. What I call it, TNT, tag and trade. That's what you've got to do if you're Washington talking about Deron Payne, unless, unless he's willing to give you a hometown discount, so to speak. That's the only circumstance in which Deron Payne comes back here. They cannot blow the bank for this guy, especially when you've already allocated a ton of resources at that position. What else did I learn, though, in Washington's 26-6 win uh, over the Dallas Cowboys? Look, no matter what we think about Ron Rivera, the front office guy, Ron Rivera, the head coach, gets these guys to stick together no matter what. And that was on full display yesterday. Nothing to play for. You're eliminated from the postseason. Young guys only. Dallas uninspired as well. And they came out and balled. Defensively, it was one of their best performances of the season. To hold this Dallas Cowboys football team to just six points, they've been the highest scoring team in the league since week seven, averaging 35 points a game. So to hold them to six points, it kind of ticked me off, and I was encouraged. I'm ticked off because I'm like, well, where the hell was this performance last weekend in your win or go home situation against Cleveland? Where was that? Where was that effort? But look, I'm 25 now, y'all. I'm growing. I'm not going to cry over spilled milk. It's over with. The encouraging part about it is despite being down John Allen, Benjamin St. Juice, Cam Curl, despite being down those guys, Washington's still able to compete against one of the most high-octane offenses in the NFL. Ron Rivera deserves a ton of credit for that. It's easy. It's easy to check out mentally going into a Week 18 football game that has no playoff ramifications. You're out of it. You're going to be sitting on the couch this weekend no matter what. Today was locker clean-out day. Tomorrow, Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew are going to speak to the media. It's over for the 2022 Commanders. They knew that before kickoff yesterday. But the beautiful thing about it, Kudo to Ron Rivera, it did not affect their effort. I love that about this group. Even when they were one and four, I was talking and singing the praises of Ron Rivera because of that reason. It is uber difficult in the National Football League when things aren't going right. It's hard to right the ship. Because guess what? The easy thing to do is start finger, finger pointing. I said finger pointing. Finger pointing and, and start worrying about yourself and what you've got going on moving forward. It's easy to become selfish in those moments and say, the hell with my teammates. I'm trying to do me. I'm trying to make sure my numbers look good. I'm trying to make sure I get the bag this offseason. It's easy to turn and have that mentality. But credit to Ron and this entire coaching staff. Jack Rio gets credit for that as well. Credit to Ron and company. They keep these guys together and they play hard no matter what. They have been outside of the early struggles that they had this season. They have been competitive in every game this year. That's all I ask for. I know when we look at this team, we're worried about them not making the playoffs for the second time in three years. But if I'm Ron Rivera, and not to defend Ron, it's just facts of the situation. Clearly there was improvement this year. You were able to find new depth pieces. Some of your young pups finally rose to the occasion and showed that they're going to be contributors moving forward. That counts. This draft class that Ron Rivera brought in, they contributed. Jahan Dotson, a lot of people scoffed at that pick. They traded down and got arguably the best receiver in the class. Top three. Talking about Garrett Wilson, Olave, and Dotson. Dotson's got seven touchdowns, and he missed a month plus. So to see him have that type of impact 
speaks to what Ron Rivera and company in this front office have done. Moving forward, like, that's something to build on. Something to be excited about. What I learned, though, against the Dallas Cowboys yesterday and the Washington Commanders season finale, a lot of things to learn. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news here. I don't want to sound like a pessimist. I don't want to sound like I'm hating, so to speak. Chase Young's got a lot of damn work to do. A lot of work to do. And look, if there's anybody who's up for the task of getting better and improving on their craft and making themselves a better football player and taking it personal, taking their growth and development personally, it's Chase Young. It's Chase Young. He's a workaholic. He really is. And the benefit of the doubt goes to him, and here's why. Yes, he didn't record a sack in the three games that he played down the stretch. But his ability to even battle his way all the way back from the injury speaks to the work ethic that he has, and it speaks to how much he cares about the team and the game. It would have been easy for Chase Young to shut it down. Would have been easy. He didn't even have to play last week. What does he get to gain from it? But he continued to work at it, and I expect him to continue to work at it this offseason. But when we look at it at face value, for what it is, Chase Young's got to be a lot better, man. We need to see more out of our former number two overall pick. Chase Young ends up playing in three games after a lengthy ACL procedure. Game one, 30 snaps, two tackles, one pass deflected. Game two, 38 snaps, one tackle, one quarterback hit. Game three, 47 snaps, two tackles. He's going into year four next year with nine career sacks in 13 tackles for loss through 27 contests. Newsflash, guys. For a former number two overall pick, that is not good. It's not good at all. But to Chase Young's credit, he's coming off a major injury. He worked his tail off to get back in shape to where he didn't have to be on a pitch count. At season's end. All those are positive signs. Even watching him yesterday, and I've, I've gone back and, you know, watched the TV copy over again. It just seems like to me, man, Chase Young needs an offseason where he could just focus on Chase Young, the pass rusher. Because to his credit, this offseason for him was really all about going out and making sure he was healthy. Going out and doing rehab and strengthening that knee and quad and making sure he could be back healthy enough to play down in and down out. He's checked that box. The next step for him, though, is showing, hey, I'm a dude out there, so to speak, at the edge rusher spot. I'm somebody that defense has got a game plan and be scared of. But through three games at the end of this year, I didn't see that. And really, when you date and go back to last year, we didn't see that. So I'm worried. I'm officially waving my panic flag. I don't want to say panic flag. I'm concerned, though, about Chase Young and his lack of production. And I talked about yesterday. When you go back and watch yesterday, the, I don't want to say alarming, the concerning thing about Chase Young and his performance yesterday is when he was rushing the quarterback, it just felt like all game long, there was no plan for him rushing the quarterback, right? All game long for him, there was no plan and course of action. He was kind of out there just freeballing it doing whatever he wants. And I'm not saying that he was doing whatever he wants, playing outside of the confines of the defense. He just never really had a rush plan. And that, 
That is what he's got to work on this offseason. You are a former number two overall pick, son. While you do a damn good job playing the run, you don't draft run stuffers number two overall. You draft guys that are going to affect the quarterback and affect the football game. Through three games, outside of two or three plays, how many impact game changing plays has Chase Young made in the final three games of the season? Not a ton. I can count them on one hand. The pass deflection against San Fran. He snuffs out the screen against San Fran. Last week against Cleveland, he almost had a sack of Deshaun Watson. Almost as good. I need you to finish. Hopefully, with good health, that's the next step for Chase Young. I want to take your calls, though. 1-800-636-1067 is the number on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You can tweet at me as well, at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. Although both teams didn't have too much to play for yesterday, what did you learn in Washington's 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys? My man Doyle is in Richmond. What's going on, Doyle? How you doing, buddy? Hey, youngest in charge. Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. What's going on, my man? Well, I hadn't talked to you for a while. Uh, well, the uh, move for Cosme, the guard, that's not a negative. That's a positive. Uh, you take where uh, you take what Sheridan was at. You find something else to put it. They, uh, uh, they messed up when they let uh, Kyle Smith get away yeah. as uh, GM. And they messed up when they let Flowers get away as a guard. And they need to build that line up around Hal. I think he can get the job done if he got the line in front of him. And from what I understand, the cap is supposed to be going up. And if the cap's going up, and what they can uh, get away with getting letting some go, they can uh, keep paying right there on the team. Uh, I'm going to let it go. That's all I got. Hey, Doyle, I appreciate the call, my man. I, I think it's interesting. The Deron Payne situation, like I said, that is going to be, outside of quarterback, that is going to be the number one topic of conversation this offseason. Well, let me re-rank those. The impending sale of this team, obviously, is going to be first and foremost. That quarterback and whether or not they can sign Deron Payne is going to be the topic of conversation here uh, heading into the offseason. Crank is in D.C., Crank, what do you think this football team, or what did you learn about this football team yesterday on their 26-6 win against Dallas? Uh, what's up, baby? Look, a couple things. First of all, I didn't know you had your own show, man. I listen to B. Mitchell Finley all the time, man. This is, my, this is my first time getting off this late, so checking you out, man. You know, I'm happy for you, bro. Yeah, I, I don't know how long you've been on the head, but I'm happy for you. All right, so um, a couple things. Like you said, I learned that Ron, uh, for as bad as he is as a GM, he is good at uh, leading men and those kids, those players played for him yesterday, and they played for each other. So yeah. I can appreciate that. Now, as far as the Ron Payne in this situation, this is these are my these are my biggest. Uh, uh, if you want to if you want to rank them, number one, I, I think we need to take care of Cam Curl like right away. I think we need to take yeah. Cam, take care of Cam Curl. The dude is a beast. When he wasn't on the field, if we missed him, we missed him a lot, and we just don't want him to sniff the market because. I mean, the dude is good, man. He's he's good. Okay. Now, secondly, as far as Deron Payne, I kind of disagree with you. I feel like we should pay Deron Payne. I know that's going to be a lot of money tied up in a in a, a, a one check and a three check, but um, and then you got you got Sweat coming up, and then you got Chase the year after that. But I mean, I don't want to say Sweat is one dimensional. I just feel like all like you see it, man. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, okay, yeah, well, he's one-dimensional. And I feel like – I, I kind of feel like he may be a, a finished product at this point. He's a freak athlete. He can make plays, but he's not going to make – he's not going to take over a game. And and, and, and sometimes watching him, I kind of get the, the Brian Arakpo thing where when he gets hot, he goes crazy, but then but then he'll have four weeks of nothing. You know what I mean? Just a bunch of nothing. It's mi- missing sacks. You know, trying to close line quarterbacks and missing. It's, it's, it's just, I like I like Sweat. Don't get me don't get it wrong. I love Sweat to death. I just feel like as a player, yeah. he needs to grow a lot, and I don't think he can. Uh, Payne, hey, hey, Craig, I, I appreciate I, the call, my man. I I agree with him. The, the Sweat versus Payne conversation is always interesting because I think. It's easy to give Sweat the benefit of the doubt because he's an edge rusher. We don't have another premier edge rusher outside of Montez Sweat. We hope that Chase Young is going to grow into that. But right now, if you had to make me choose between Montez Sweat and Chase Young, sorry, I'm choosing Montez. The availability and the production, clearly. But the whole thing about it is, look, that ain't even the situation like Sweat's numbers are jumping off the board at you. This is one of the best years of his career, and it still wasn't enough for a lot of us. So this defensive front for Washington, they got a lot of questions to be answered here moving forward. They got to decide whether or not they're going to pick up Sweat's fifth-year option or Chase Young's fifth-year option, and they got to decide whether or not Deron Payne is going to get that back. All in all, though, this offseason, we know it, is going to be one of the most memorable uh, in Washington Commanders franchise history. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, now that the season is over, Do you think Ron Rivera has done enough to return as his team's head coach? I know the impending sale cloudies that conversation. But just from a pure execution standpoint, do you think Ron Rivera deserves to return as his team's next head coach? Don't go anywhere as the fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 